Hey, have that double shot of espresso and take the cat out of the microwave, folks. It's time for .NET Rocks, the Internet audio talk show for .NET developers. I'm your host in New London, Connecticut, Carl Franklin. And as always, my partner in crime from down south, Mark Dunn. Good evening, Mark. Howdy, Carl. We're in the deep south tonight. Again, yeah, it's time for another stellar episode, and uh, I'm real excited. Are you excited? You know, I'm uh, jacked up higher than a prom dress in June. That's how excited <laughs> I am. <laughs> Good Lord, what have we come to? <laughs> For the love of God. Well, um, hey, you know, I was doing a bit of research on some of the old technology. You know, with all the new technology that's out, people are forgetting about the Windows API. You know, with the, when we have classes in the framework... The Windows API is something nobody talks about anymore. But <clears throat> I was going through uh, some some hidden documentation that I found uh, from the corporate vaults at Redmond, Washington, and I found some undocumented Windows API calls. They're in the, the GDI uh, DLL. Uh, you want to know what they are? Yeah, what do they do? Well, the first one, you know the, you know the uh, BitBlit function, BitBLT? Yeah. Well, I found one called SplitBlit which returns the uneaten portion of a bacon, lettuce, and tomato sandwich. Ah, ha, ha, ha. Yeah. And I found another one, which is really interesting, called Get Washington, D.C. <laughs> yep. You pass it a million dollars, and it returns a pointer to a seat in Congress. Very so funny, I Carl. thought that was good. <laughs> that was good, yeah. Yeah. So uh, what have you been doing this week? I, obviously, you're, obviously, you're in Montgomery, Alabama, again, teaching at, uh, at the college down there. That's right. I'm uh, I'm teaching a very interesting class this week. It's an ADO.NET class, and uh, I actually have a a student that had to sub for another one that couldn't make it. So uh, I, I was going through the class, going, you know, what's your experience? And this guy had never used a PC, never used Windows. He's oh, completely no. a mainframe programmer. Oh no! So this is a a, a kind of a third level, pretty advanced uh, ADO.NET class, and uh, it's it's been interesting. Wow. He, he's needed a little help. Yeah, so, I you guess know, he's, so. do, he's doing very well. So he seems to be having fun. That's good. So um, are the machines working and you're ha not having any other ancillary problems? No. Oh, uh, are you talking about the machines in the classroom yeah. or my own personal machine? Well, we know your personal machine is having a problem. Yeah, my personal machine is sick. And that's actually why you're on the phone tonight instead of our nice, our nice high bandwidth connection usually here. Um, is because your, your, your laptop... Uh, has some problems. I, sp I guess it's been dropping audio. Yeah, and, uh, that's right. It, it sounds like Rain Man when I uh, play it back. <laughs> uh, time for Wapner. <laughs> Good Lord. Um, so uh, you've actually got a new laptop on order from Dell, right? Well, I, I was talking to my wife. It came in today, so I awesome. can't wait to get home and uh, you know run it through its paces. Excellent. Well, we can't wait to uh, get you back on the normal sound here, but uh, we'll we'll live with it for now, right? Yeah, yeah, we'll make it work. We'll make it work, exactly. We have this, well, up here we call it Yankee Ingenuity. Down there. I, hey, you know, speaking of the South, um, we're doing a lost weekend. Our guest tonight, Russ Fastino, and I are doing a lost weekend this weekend. And tomorrow, uh, not to, well, not tomorrow, but uh, Saturday, obviously this isn't going to work because the people are listening to this after we taped it. But as we're speaking... This Saturday is the Kentucky Derby, and uh, we're going to have to pass out some mint juleps in class and yeah, uh, get well, the yeah, tall hats, that. you know, 
and uh, put it on. So I'm looking forward to that. Well, anyway, um, our guest tonight, it's been a, a long time uh, coming, this this guest. We've wanted to have him on for quite a while. And uh, just because of the, sort of the natural synergy and the way that we've been working together with this guest, uh, he is the principal technology specialist at Microsoft in the New England district who, uh, among other things, does a regular free show, day a day-long presentation on a quarterly basis at all of the Microsoft sales in uh, Microsoft centers in New England uh, called Russ's Tool Shed, where he has unique content, um, gives out lots of goodies and tchotchkes and, and best practices and great code and, and uh, free code. And these are free events that seem to only exist in the New England district. Um, he's writing a book for Microsoft Press called Tinkering with Visual Studio.net. And uh, on top of all that is a, is a fantastic guy and a great programmer. Will you please welcome Russ Fastino? Well, thanks, Carl. Yeah, thank you. Mark, how are you doing? Hey, Russ, man. I am doing excellent. How are you? Just great. Still well, pumped up from our uh, .NET launch event we had here today in uh, Connecticut. Still yes. pumped from using the mouse, huh? <laughs> That's a great book, by the way. Yeah, it is. Dilbert. Yeah. Dilbert book. Um, yeah, we did. We we uh, had a the Visual Studio 2003 launch uh, coupled with the Windows 2003 server launch, uh, which is going around the country. And our event was the first one in the district, and it was at Foxwoods Casino um, today. And you were sort of central to the developer track. Yeah, we had uh, three tracks today. Well, we had the keynote to kick things off, and then uh, the IT Pro track, and then a, a developer architect track, and then the track that I headed up was the uh, the developer track. That's very cool. Yeah. So there's three tracks, and we had about, what would you say, about 1,000 people today? Yeah, probably over that, probably closer to 1,200. 1,200. That's pretty good. Uh, Jill uh, Delano, who uh, organizes the events for Microsoft, was telling us that we usually have like we were expecting 60% drop off and there was only 33% drop off so a lot more people came to this than have been coming traditionally to these things in the past and that's uh that's encouraging yeah it was exciting it was a good atmosphere a lot of great questions a lot of excitement a lot of hand clapping and you know cheering and stuff like that and some of the the different features and stuff we were showing off so that was pretty cool yeah yeah, um, as a matter of fact, I got uh, some messages from the regional director list. As you know, the region, some of the regional directors participated in the launch events all over the world. And uh, I got some notes that were passed around, you know, with people's responses worldwide about this launch. Let me just read some to you, if you don't mind. Um, this is from Vinod Uni, who is the regional director, or one of the regional directors in India. He's in North India. Hi, all. Just arrived back from the Windows Server VSNet 2003 launch event here in New Delhi, India, which, due to its location, launched it ahead of most of you, and this was on April 24th. After the keynote, which was a great overview on what things are and where they are headed by the MS team here, the three tracks were divided, yada, yada, yada. I personally took charge of two sessions in the developer track, an intro to VSNet 2003 and Windows Server 2003 as an application platform, both were for a little bit over an hour each. Uh, some comments. One, developers were very interested in the WSE demos and IIS 6. 
Two, many questions regarding side-by-side.NET Framework version installation. Three, queries regarding SOAP, XML, and UDDI services. Four, the Complus 1.5 demos were a bit lengthy. I could see some people starting to look around, getting bored. You may want to take a call on showing all the demos or not. Uh, the sl- five, the slides not have images, blah, blah, blah. Okay, so there's some some other things. But anyway, so that was a nice little update. And um, this one comes from Thomas Lee in the U.K., He says, I'm sitting in the UK Windows 2003 launch in London, listening to Microsoft talk about the products and typing this mail via wireless, all using a laptop that runs on Windows Server 2003 RTM. Windows Server rocks. Cool. (laughs) That was cool. (laughs) Andrew Brust says, uh, let's see. The dev track in New York City also played to packed houses twice. The New York, New Jersey sub did their launch as a half-day event that repeated first showing at 9 a.m. and the second one at 1.30 p.m. There will be more events in New Jersey, Stamford, Connecticut, and Rochester, New York. He'll be doing Rochester. Okay, so there's some stuff there. Uh, so let's see. Yeah, we got uh, Boston coming up on Tuesday. We're sold out there. Over 3,000 people registered there. Yeah. Funny how these free attra- uh, events attract big crowds, Grin. <laughs> Response was very positive, and people were eager to soak up the material. Morning crowd was standing room only in a room that seated uh, around 400, and afternoon was a close second. Audience especially liked it when I showed the C-sharp IDE enhancements and presented them in a self-effacing way as concessions made to lazy VB programmers like me who don't like <laughs> to manually type out event handler stubs and delegate definitions. When I say, okay, here you go, lazy sloth VB developer, and hit the tab key to generate the code, people laughed and clapped. (laughs) Yeah. We we had a similar response today, too, when I was doubling that. Right. Yep. It's great. Whole new meaning to the tab key. Overall, good stuff. .NET is getting bigger and bigger. Finally, um, uh, Thomas Lee wrote uh, another one after, you know, that was from the launch where he was writing it. He says... Today was the online launch here event in the UK. I'm not sure how many people tuned in, but several thousand people had registered. I guess they had an online launch, huh? Uh, He got about 10 emails from people saying thanks, so at least some folks tuned in. I suspect we'll get some formal evaluations later. He gave two sessions on getting the most out of the IT infrastructure services in Windows Server 2003. Uh, spend most of the day online, blah, blah, blah. Good stuff. So some positive comments. It it sounds like uh, around the world, um, the the launch has been an incredible success. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Uh, Any indication the way it went today, it was a great day. It was really great. They were a little rough in the morning, weren't they? I mean, you know, New Englanders are a little terse in the morning, I think. (laughs) <laughs> what were they doing? Throwing bagels at the stage? Just nothing. No, just nothing. <laughs> it, was, it felt very uncomfortable at first. You know, they were very... The Englanders, you know, very skeptical. They don't... You know, you don't just get up in front of a crowd first thing in the morning and crack jokes and loosen them up, you know? Yeah. They want to see... 
They want to see the meat first, you know, and then they can have the dessert later. I think a lot of them had a hard time just finding it uh, to begin with. This casino is so big. It's like the largest casino in the world. and It is, yeah. There really wasn't any good signage up uh, to, to get them over there. I think that was probably on purpose by the casino. They probably just wanted them to, you know, stop off at the right. uh, all well, the tables and spend money. but <laughs> Get lost at the roulette table and not care. <laughs> Well, anyway, Russ, um, let me ask you a question, Mark. You can jump in here anytime. Sure. That um, about the New England district, and I, I, you know, I, I don't. This is the only district I live in, so I don't have a good perspective of what the relationship is like with the local Microsoft offices around the world, or at least in the United States. But I have the sense that from talking to you and talking to the people in this district, that we're pretty unique. In, in terms of our reach and how many people that we reach, and also in terms of the relationship with the regional di- directors to the, to the local Microsoft office and your absolute uh, evangelism with your, with your uh, Russ's toolshed. Are there other Russ Festinos out there? Oh, we have several developer evangelists at Microsoft. Uh, uh, you know, uh, I know a few of them. One, one of them out in Kansas City. Uh, Steve Lothan is a great guy down in Florida. Uh, Steve Codwell, Joe Healy, and uh, but yeah, I'm not aware of any like uh, developer seminar series. You know, uh, that are going on like I, I kind of put together and. You know, I think it's really a sense of um, a developer community here in New England that's, that's really evolved uh, over the years. You know, I've been with Microsoft a little bit over five years doing this uh, pretty much the whole time. And, uh, you know, it's gotten to the point where uh, our reach numbers are just uh, incredible. Our district has the highest uh, uh, reach numbers in the in the country. And then uh, we even have more, just about more than the entire uh, central region, and you that, know, of the country. And we're just one district. And that means what, a reach number? What is uh, that? Just a head count, you know, how many people are attending your sessions, you know. Uh, huh. yeah, it's it's, it's, it's you know, it's it's really it's kind of like a, a really well-oiled machine at this point. Uh, it really with, is with uh, yeah. all the uh, pieces and in in, you know moving uh, really really nicely. Uh, several uh, folks on our team are are developer evangelists, and uh, so that all all adds any of the events that they do. You know, all goes into that that uh, big reach number. Yeah, yeah, that's a term I've heard in the radio industry for years. Uh, reach is the yeah. The count of listenership, basically. Yeah, and personally, uh, myself, um, I probably have uh, presented to over, I'd say, thirty thousand developers in the last four years, and uh, most of a lot of those events are, um, I would say, small. You know, uh, could be on site at a corporate account, ten to twenty people. Uh, or you can get into you know some of the larger sessions like we had today, you know, with a thousand at a pop. Um, but uh, you know, it's, it's been quite a few quite a few uh, developer sessions. Is the content that you deliver for your Russ's Toolshed events? Does is that just content that comes from Microsoft to every district, or is it uh, specifically for 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 your thing? Um, now we have a corporate uh, it's called MSDN content it's a field uh, uh, content development group that develops um, a lot of the demos the powerpoints that sort of thing make them available to pretty much anybody that wants to use them inside the company and uh, so that's a good amount of the um, uh, material that I leverage you know to, okay. to do and plus you know a few of the demos that you know I do on my own I'll kick around and you know I'll throw those in as well I just think it's a great idea and if and if other districts are out there listening and other RDs or or even people who want to get involved with the district it's a great thing to have some you know these shows that are that are put on 
for free. I, I'm sure they do it in other districts. I just don't know if they have any, you know, particular spin like you have. I mean, well, you have a. Sometimes what I'll do too is I'll take the existing content and um, I might take like the two or three best demos out of like a two-hour session. Uh, and then take another two or three, you know, best demos out of another session, and I'll kind of yeah. like piece them all together into like a, uh, you know, like a, like I do an intro to VB.net session, for example. That's three hours, and I pull information from maybe three or five, three or four of the um, uh, content sessions that corporate provides to to build that with. Hmm. Cool. Yeah. Well, uh, I'm curious about the Lost Weekends. You guys do uh, these <laughs> sessions on the weekend? Yeah, it's a great name, isn't it? VB.net Lost Weekend. Yeah. yeah For people better. with no lives, you know? <laughs> like week- me and Carl, because we actually teach it on weekends. <laughs> it's just a weekend you have to pretend didn't exist, basically. Yeah. The, the, the people really find it um, very useful, our, our attendees uh, and the students that have come to the class, because uh, you know, sometimes it's tough to get away during the week. and yeah, that's um, the whole thing. You know, you're working every day, and, and it's tough. Or, or if you're a consultant, it's even worse because you don't want to give up those billing hours, right? And uh, so uh, we find it uh, pretty convenient for a lot of folks to actually, you know, plan out and give up a weekend and then uh, really just uh, do some serious training, you know? Yeah. Now, I always get a question uh, from people, you know, should I take the lost weekend or should I take the whole five-day class? And, uh, you know, it's a common sense thing. I think if anybody's really thinking, they're definitely going to get more out of five days worth of coding than they are two days worth of coding. Uh, it just makes sense. You spend more time on every topic. You can do a few more topics that you don't have. So that's not the reason that you would go to the Lost Weekend because it's like you can do the same and it's like we talk faster or something. I, I You know, I... <laughs> They're thinking maybe I should just go to the last weekend. Yeah, you could. You certainly could. It's just the difference of you know how prepared you're going to be after the class because of the time that you spent. So the last weekend really fills a nice niche. It fills the niche where, like Russ said, people can't get away during the week, but they really have to at least understand at an introductory level, you know, what development in, in VBNet is all about. Yeah, I imagine you've had some guys that attended the last weekend that came back for the five day class, haven't you? Yeah, that's absolutely true. And what we what we've been doing is we've been giving people uh apl- be, letting people apply the cost of the lost weekend to the master class if they want to take the master class. So you actually end up taking the lost weekend for free if you if you do go that route. What a deal. Yeah, it's a good deal. Carl's a great guy. Yeah. <laughs> Well, okay. So Carl, Carl is argue. going crazy. He says, let him go. Let him go. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway, um, what are some of the... Obviously, you've been immersed in Microsoft technology and content for the last... How many years have you been doing this? Five or six years yeah. now? What are some of the coolest things that you've ever you know, ex- turned people on to in your sessions where you can just see the light bulbs going off and, and everybody gets really excited. Well, you know, every every release of tools that we, we come up with is just um, a very exciting time for developers, you know. It's just like you know, they can't wait to see, you know, what's new, what what are the things that are going to save them some pain, right, in developing applications? What are the yes. things going to save them time, right. uh, get the product out the door quicker? Uh, you really see some very, very true excitement um, around every every time there's a new version of tools, and this version is no uh, no exception. Um, 
uh, it's pretty exciting to see, you know, all the smiling faces out there in the crowd uh, when we were presenting today. Uh, a lot of the things in terms of, uh, 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 you know, the ability to, uh, for example, web service extensions, right, being able to now secure web services without the use of HTTPS, right? You can go ahead and use the uh, SOAP context class and uh, go ahead and, uh, you know, monitor uh, X509 certificates, uh, both, uh, you know, coming in on the inbound side and the outbound side as well. And uh, I got to tell you, that was a, a pretty uh, compelling demo, just like you heard the uh, some of the notes there from the other uh, RDs right, yeah. the, during the launch events. Uh, so that uh, that's a whole new exciting area, and the ability to attach, um, uh, you know, binary uh, attachments, you know, using the Dime protocol, uh, Files and things, another yeah. good need that's you know uh, been been in the marketplace for for a while. So we're starting to actually, see a lot of things evolve, yeah. you know, on the whole web service development um, area. Did you uh, demo that stuff today? Yeah, that was the very first demo I did in the. Uh, uh, the Visual Studio.net uh, overview session in the developer track. Wow. You know, a lot of developers that I, I know are thinking, you know, the new release is all about the compact framework and doing mobile development, but uh, there's a lot there for just normal Visual Studio developers, right? Yeah, there is. And, you know, the... Um uh, th- those two areas <laughs> are also very exciting, right? The the, the mobile uh, device uh, development, and uh, you know both the uh, the internet version of that, as well as the handheld device version of that. In other words, the smart device extensions. And as a matter of fact, Carl and I did the uh, session today uh, on the mobile devices. And uh, you know, I was talking to some attendees afterwards. It's like, wow, I just can't wait to go home now and you know plug in my iPad, and start developing yeah. applications for it. It was yeah. it was great. Absolutely. It was just great. And then, uh, yeah, I mean, there's so many other uh, productivity enhancements, you know, even right within the IDE uh, that really were really very cool. Improved IntelliSense. Um, you know, all these I'm about to say are just really little things, but, boy, they just add up, you know. And, and by the time you get done uh, with all these things, you really start seeing some time savings on development work. Uh, the, the improved IntelliSense, like in the immediate window, for example, now you can go ahead and, you know, debug dot, you know, get the drop-down list there. Uh, also, uh, the dynamic help is a lot faster, and then um, startup time is a lot quicker. And in, in the you know the Visual Studio IDE, and then the object browser, you know, this is something that seems to change every version of tools yeah, as to where it right. is. You know, is it under the tools menu pull down? Is it somewhere else? And Can't so make now up it's like really easy to get at this because all you got to do is pull down your reference list, double click on one of your references, and up comes the object browser. That's cool. Yeah, it was that was very nice. And then the whole uh, upgrade, you know, going from uh, Visual Studio .NET 2002 to, to Visual Studio .NET 2003, really is a piece of cake. It's great. Just go ahead and point your, you know, uh, open up Visual Studio 2003, point it at the 2002 project file. Comes up with a little dialog saying it's about to change your solution file and the uh, VB proj file or the CS proj file, depending on you know what type of language you're using. And then uh, that's it. It leaves all the source code intact, uh, unchanged. And the demo I did there was the uh, Duwamish, uh, you know, 7.0 app. I loaded up that in its entirety and ran the whole app, and it, you know, worked just fine. You know, one thing that I've found people really have a hard time getting, or maybe it's they have a hard time believing that it's true. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> is that you can have version 1.0 of the framework and Visual Studio 2002 there, and when you upgrade, you really don't upgrade. You really don't upgrade. Upgrade is a word that means I take what's there and I convert it to a new format or I or I change it. Mm-hmm. 
But uh, what you're doing is you're just adding another version of the framework, another version of Visual Studio on in addition to what's already there. So you're installing a whole new program, leaving the old program where it is. Yeah, the only thing that's upgraded here in this case is just Your the project file, file itself and the solution file. Yeah, right. Uh, and that's really to take advantage of the new IDE features, yeah. you know. Um, you're so right, Carl. I think we got to come up with another name for this rather that's than right. an upgrade. <laughs> yeah, it should be uh, just an, another installation. Yeah, yeah, because it is side by side. I mean, when you start poking around inside of the... Um, uh, Windows.NET framework uh, folders, you'll see the old version um, uh, still in there and the new version, different directories. And uh, all the items in the, uh, you know, the GAC, you can see the there's two elements in there, one for each version. Just click on, you know, right mouse click on it, you can see the version number of each one. Uh, it's just truly amazing. Uh, I mean, that this, this is something that we've been talking about for a while now with the .NET framework being yeah. able to accommodate side-by-side -side, uh, assemblies. And this is really the first, I think, real-world uh, implementation that a lot of developers are experiencing firsthand now is how true that is, you know, even with just Visual Studio itself. What are some of the other little things you were going to mention there? Oh, a very cool thing with uh, anyone that's using uh, Implement's keyword and uh, VB, you can go ahead and just type in implements, type in the name, and boom, hit enter, and there it goes, types into your whole uh, interface, all your mob uh, object, your methods and properties, all gutted out, ready to go. So it just really does a lot of typing for you automatically. I, like so I, would, I would compare that to cruise control in a car. Absolutely. Man, I mean, you know, that's a, that may be a little thing, but, uh, you know, definitely that makes the trip a lot smoother. Yeah. Oh, you said it. Same type of thing goes on in C Sharp. You just you know hit the tab key, and it goes ahead and creates that interface for you. So it's pretty cool. And I like the fact that you type try, enter, and then you get a catch EX's exception and then try. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> that, that one's a little overdue. <laughs> <laughs> just little things like that, you know? Yeah. Man, I was having a, a talk with, I don't know, I was talking with somebody about open source, and, you know, I just can't. Oh, I'm so tired of it. You know, these these people think that the 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 future of the world is going to be an open source operating system with Linux and some development tool that doesn't exist and never has existed and and geez, where are people getting all the time to write this code that they're talking about? Yeah, they're smoking bananas. They are. Oh, and of course, Just put it's down the crack pipe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then another one of the, the enhancements they liked a lot today was the uh, the new web service add web reference dialog. So when that comes up, you now uh, don't have to memorize the URL and type it in. Uh, you can actually search either through uh, UDDI uh, or uh, just right on your local machine, local host, right? And you just you know click a link and boom, up come all of the uh, web services. So you just yeah. uh, click away and, and you got your uh, web reference all set. That's great. You know, we were talking about something earlier. If you uh, if you wanted to to build some redundancy in for a web service that's not available, yeah, uh, that's there now. That's right through UDDI. That's a, now a um, optional service you can install on Windows Server 2003 and you have the programming capabilities now with uh, Visual Studio.NET 2003 to leverage that. Uh, typical, couple typical scenarios on that. Uh, one might be uh, a runtime uh, scenario where, um, or excuse me, a design time scenario where say you've got a you know, a developer that's creating some web services, maybe a pricing web service of some sort, maybe a few different versions of that, a couple different flavors. Maybe you got another developer in the organization that um, needs this kind of like pricing information. So he might use Discovery Services UDDI locally within the group uh, to try to just 
be like an informational feed for him to, to determine, you know, what's the best pricing algorithm, web service that we have, what's the one that's appropriate for my application. And once he's, he's found that from like a research standpoint, he can go ahead and hardwire that into his application. And then there's the, the, the other side of that might be a runtime um, uh, implementation of it. And, and this, I think, is really something that's uh, also long overdue. Uh, a lot of times I get a question in my seminar, what if, you know, I'm using a web service in my application and the web service goes down? Right. Well, what you can do is you can wire up uh, UDDI to do a refresh on the access point from your application. And what's really nice about this, if it's a client client that's using that web service, the client won't even know that the web service is down. It'll just uh, it won't even miss a beat, you know. So it'll automatically get rerouted to the the backup web service. I actually have something to say about that. Go ahead. Why is the web service going down? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> All right. Well, this is the question. You know, if you're going to publish web services, you have to treat your web service box as mission critical as your web app, as your web environment. You know, somebody asked me this question. You know, what if, what if they change the name? I'm saying, all right. Does the does Bill Gates wake up in the morning and say, you know, our URL www.microsoft.com is getting a little tedious. I think I'm going to change it to mscorp.com. You know, it just doesn't make any sense. So what would happen is if if you're publishing a server, you would have a separate machine for that server. You would have a DNS entry, server one, services1.microsoft.com or whatever your company name is. And if you have to move it to another machine for any reason, you change your DNS entries. Um, you, you know, if you're publishing a web service and there's code out there that relies on your web service, you have to be up all the time. So anyway, that's my... That's my question is, why is the web service down, you know? But you're right. If it does go down, I would, I would venture to guess that it's because your Internet connection went down. So uh, Yeah, that, that, either, that either could that, be a... Either that or you're using a web service which doesn't deserve you to your use. Right. Yeah, that gets into your service level agreements and right. things of that nature that you would have with that uh, web service provider. It's true. Another thing too that uh, went over uh, went over big was the uh, community edition of .vscator, right? Oh that, yeah, uh, yeah. Ships now with Visual Studio .NET 2003. So a lot of developers, I think, feel better that their their code is, uh, you know, messed up, <laughs> basically in the in the IL. So it's it's not e as easy to uh, disassemble it and detect, you know, some uh, proprietary type thing. So so that's pretty nice. You know, I I wrote an article for MSTN Magazine on. Uh you know, the new features in Visual Studio.net 2003 and some in the framework, too. And uh, I forgot to mention that Preemptive is including, or Microsoft's including Preemptive's community edition of Dofuscator. Um, and they sent me, promptly sent me an email saying, uh, you know, you forgot to mention this. And, you know, so I'm sorry, Preemptive. And uh, here's my restitution right here. We're talking about it. Yeah, there's a more powerful professional edition available from right. uh, Preemptive that you can upgrade to. That's right. And, How's uh, that? Is that good? Yeah, that's good. good. I think that uh, <laughs> satisfied them. So anyway, so uh, what are some of the other uh, uh, key things that you took away from the launch event? Well, you know, just really the general excitement level, I thought. Uh, I was very impressed with it. You know, I think... Uh, uh, the, the the thing that was a big crowd pleaser too was the pricing. <laughs> yeah. Right. A lot of current owners of Visual Studio .NET 2002 
can upgrade to Visual Studio .NET 2003 for freaking $29. So that's pretty for good, huh? Freaking $29. Freaking $29. Yeah, that was one of our contest questions that we had today. And uh, <laughs> did you see that slide when it came up? It was pretty yeah. funny. I had the $29 bouncing all around the screen. Yeah, that was great. <laughs> All that. So, so yeah. So up until I think September 30th, uh, the deal goes. If you currently have, say, a professional version of Visual Studio .NET 2002, uh, you can get the corresponding level in 2003 for $29. So you can go pro to pro, or enterprise to enterprise, or enterprise architect to enterprise architect. And Mark, you said you had a coupon in your in your box. Yeah, when I uh, when I got my enterprise architect version of uh, Visual Studio .NET, there was a, a mail-in coupon in there for. Uh, for the upgrade. Now, did it mention 2003 as the name, or? I don't recall if it mentioned a name on it or not. I, I mainly was attracted to the price yeah. of $29. <laughs> yeah. That's interesting. There's also a URL which we'll post. Yeah, that's under msdn.microsoft.com slash vstudio. And uh, okay. you can see the details out there on the product upgrade offer. That's cool. And, of course, if you have an MSDN subscription, you wouldn't even care because it's just going to come in the mail. Right. And, you know, a lot of times that leads to the question, do I still need an MSDN description? And, well, this is a one-time deal that Microsoft is doing. There's no guarantee we will be, you know, doing something like this in the future. Um, but, you know, the MSDN subscription in itself is worth it, even if you took out Visual Studio. I mean, just look at all the support phone calls that you get. You get four free support incidents. You know, it's $1,000 worth of calls right there. Wow. And then, uh, you know, we got a new release of Office coming out in a few months. Uh, you know, you'll be getting that, and plus, you know, any other OSs or any other products we got coming out. And it's an exciting time. A lot of good stuff coming down the road that you, you'll want to get with your subscription. Not to mention the fact that you can just go online and download these things it's the day they come out, you know. Yeah. So uh, I've been running Visual Studio.net 2003 for a few weeks now because it's been able, I've been able to download it from the MSDN site and install it that way. Right. You know, so, I, I'm always curious about uh, kind of the background of some of our guests. Uh, how did how did you come to work for Microsoft? Well, I've been uh, doing development work now for uh, over 20 years, and um, I was actually teaching Visual Basic uh, at uh, Clark Computer Core Institute before I joined Microsoft, and. Uh, you know, I actually hooked up with one of the uh, the other co-instructors who worked for Microsoft, and so I ended up putting my resume in, got into Microsoft uh, that way as a developer evangelist, and um, started out working with uh, Bob Familiar, Larry Barnes, in a seminar series called Bob and Larry, and uh, then we spun off Russ's Toolshed from there. So, I, you know, I pulled in a lot of other speakers along the way, a lot of consultants, other TSs. I had uh, some of you guys speak at some of the events as well, some of the RDs and regional directors, and... It's always been a personalized approach, right, to development. Uh, how very how to, lots of code, and uh, you know, I have a newsletter I publish. It goes out to about three thousand users. Uh, you can get at it through uh, the Toolshed. Uh, it's rusttoolshed.net. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll have a link on the okay. web page. You uh, worked for Aetna at one time as a developer, right? Yeah, I started out my development career at Aetna Life and Casualty. I was there about uh, you know ten years and. Uh, did the full gamut, really, from um, and um, you know, COBOL mainframe programming, application development, to uh, I was a DBA for a while on the database side of things, and then uh, went over to the network side of the house. So I got a lot of network experience in, and then started dabbling with PC development. And and actually, the next job I had was over at uh, Endeavor, um, which was a mainframe software control management system. I actually helped write that uh, product. And um, 
So I wrote the you know PC version of that as one of the developers on that team, and, um, and then from there I went to IRI Software and did a bunch of uh, Visual Basic development you know over there. And that's really where I got mm. the bulk of my VB experience. You know, uh, one thing that's cool about uh, that I that I learned uh, about Server 2003 today was just the sheer performance. The numbers, uh, the TPCC numbers, are just completely ridiculously off the scale now. Yeah, ridiculously off the scale. There's nothing else that can touch it. Um, I saw a spreadsheet of, you know, cost uh, performance analysis. Uh, how much it costs versus what the performance is. And it's just ridiculous. I mean, Microsoft has the top 10 uh, high-performant and lowest cost in the same category. I mean, they're just just smoking everything else that's out there. It's a good feeling. It is. It really feels good. Um, I'm good. also just struck by the simplicity of, of .NET programming. And uh, that, that sort of... There, there's sort of been a... A philosophy at Microsoft that's been permeating about simplifying. And may, maybe it's been happening since Bill Gates took over the development thing. I don't know. But it's about simplifying the processes, simplifying deployment, simplifying development. And uh, even though Visual Studio, the first time you look at it, simple isn't the first word that comes to mind. You know, once you get over the hump of the learning curve, it's really smooth sailing. I mean, it's it's really a lot simpler. That, that's really it. I mean, even even just a little... <clears throat> tips and tricks that you pick up along the way. I was talking to an attendee after today's session and she was telling me, man, I didn't know you could store like uh, code snippets in the toolbox. Right. And I didn't know you could you know, like just double click on one of those uh, like property window and it pops it out and double click on the toolbar. It goes back in, getting rid of the docking hell type problems. And so she picked up a lot of things, you know, just like that. And like you say, after you get used to using it, you start, you know, picking up those things. And I think a lot of our, you know, our developer community here in New England is, um, is also very excited about .NET. I've personally started up probably about a half a dozen .NET user groups this past year. Uh, so right. now, actually, every state in the New England district has a .NET user group, and they're all really thriving. They're hooking into the iNeta program, getting in you know speakers and all that kind of stuff. We're going to be talking a bit about iNeta in the weeks to come. Uh, the International .NET Association, they're a group that supports communities, in particular .NET communities, I, w I just did my first uh, gig as an INETA speaker. I'm on the Speakers Bureau. And the Speakers Bureau is just a, a list of uh, uh, speakers who agree to go speak at user groups. And INETA pays your way. And uh, the user group decides who they want, and they contact INETA. And, and this and that happens, and bada-bing, you're on a plane, and you're going to speak to these people. So I was just down at the uh, Capital Area, uh, Washington, D.C., the .NET users group down there. <clears throat> and uh, Scott Locke heads up that uh, that group. Uh, great guy. And uh, it was well attended. There was about, oh, I don't know, 75 people at the session. They flew me down. Um, I got lost in Washington, D.C. Don't ever drive in that town, by the way. It was, uh, the roads were not, they were designed by people on horses or something. They were just seven streets with the same name in different parts of town. It's just don't get me started on Washington DC. And and everybody there thinks that there's no there's there's some sort of logic to it, which I okay, anyway. I think they uh designed the streets to make intruders and people who are going to go try to assassinate the president get confused and end up in the <laughs> wrong part of town. Um <laughs> Well, anyway, I had a great time there and I talked about asynchronous calls. 
And uh, it was just overall a good experience. So we're going to be talking more about Inetta, and we're going to be talking with some of the people involved in Inetta coming up here. Yeah, that'll be interesting. Hey, did you ever put a button on a form and double-click on the button and see that sender as object and E as system event args and wonder what the heck that's all about? Well, if you're new to VBNet and you want to understand the event model, check out Basic Instincts, an article in this month's MSDN magazine. Uh, Ted Pattison writes this regular article, Basic Instincts, and this month it's called Programming Events of the Framework Class Libraries. And what he talks about is the event handler delegate and uh, delegates in, in general and how they work in .NET, not just in VB.NET, but in the .NET framework itself. This is a great article, and it's a great series of articles, and you can get it online at msdn.microsoft.com slash msdnmag. On the left-hand side of the screen, go to the Columns menu and select Basic Instincts, Programming Events of the Framework Class Libraries. That's this month, May 2003. Uh, if you're listening to this and it's past May 2003, you're going to have to go to the Back Issues section on the left-hand side of the page. Now let's get back to our talk with Russ Fustino on .NET Rocks. Don't you go away. Russ, do you have any favorite third-party tools that uh, that you've seen that you like? Well, yeah, a lot of times my attendees are always asking me, just about every session I do, uh, report writing tools. And some of the report writing tools, uh, you know, obviously Crystal Reports uh, bundled right into the into the product, but also another one uh, that's very good, too, is the uh, one by uh, Data Dynamics and uh, Active Reports. And it, what I like about it is the fact that it has uh, PDF filters, uh, Excel filters, and, uh, you know, both a Win version and a Web version, right? So you have the ability to have, like, a, a Win um, uh, web server control, for example, for uh, reporting engine. So that's pretty cool. Also, I believe the price is right on that one, isn't it? Yeah, it's a one-time shot. You pay for it up front for your developer license and then no royalty arrangements as well, which is uh, very attractive. Yeah, and I think uh, there was a another a really good. A lot of times I get asked for grid controls, and I think you've got a, a good example for one of those, right? Carl? Oh yeah, yeah. I fell in love with the Janus grid control. Um, go to Janus. Uh, we'll have a link to Janus up there. I think we mentioned them in a in an earlier show, but I really love them. Um, it's basically everything that you need to do Outlook in Office. You know, yeah. Um, the the same kind of interface, the XP toolbars, the the scheduler, there's a scheduler, you know, there's a calendar, there's a, a Microsoft project style timeline, and then there's a grids where you have built in drag and drop functionality to group by different things and hierarchical grids that have different colors for each hierarchy. Uh, just unbelievable detail. And they're solid, too. I, I really have enjoyed using them. Yeah, the um, Data Dynamics was nice enough to donate a copy of uh, their product to my um, nonprofit group I work with, the uh, Take a Swing at Cancer. Hey, that's a good thing. Let's talk about that. Yeah. That was, uh, what is that all about? Well, uh, a few years back, um, 
I helped organize a, a softball tournament, and uh, all the proceeds were going to the American Cancer Society from that particular uh, tournament. And then we continue to do it every year. And uh, so finally, we just uh, I incorporated the company. It's called Take a Swing at Cancer. And now we run both softball and golf tournaments to uh, help battle cancer. And uh, we've been really uh, pretty successful. I think the last softball tournament, we took in over $25,000. We had a wow. lot of uh, corporate sponsors. And we've been able to help a lot of families out uh, with small kids suffering from cancer. And, oh, that's great. Uh, uh, adults. And we've also contributed some monies to some research organizations and, and also some of the big organizations, too. And, uh, in fact, a lot of times now the Jimmy Fund, uh, when they get uh, recipients in to, to, to look for uh, some additional help, a lot of times the Jimmy Fund actually refers them to us to, to help them out. So that, that's pretty cool. Yeah, wow, good that's, stuff that's there. Great. And, and that's takeaswing.org. And like I say, we've just revamped the whole site. It's all.net now. I've got about a dozen volunteers helping me do the website. And uh, huh. so it's great because they're learning.net and they're uh, contributing their talents and time for a good cause. And uh, who, who we're getting plays you know, the games? software donated by these different groups as well to help us out. Who plays the games, Russ? Who plays the softball games? Uh, it's a combination of sometimes just a, a pickup team from like the neighborhood uh, might put an entry fee in, you know, raise enough money to, to join in. Also, we get a lot of uh, corporate accounts. Uh, so a lot of the um, uh, like Microsoft, for example, played against Oracle a few years no. ago. So that was a oh boy, that was an interesting game. game. Wow! And uh, the. Uh, um, you know, a lot of other companies like EMC is involved usually a lot. Uh, Compaq sometimes will put a team in, and uh, you know, MathWorks and uh, a lot of a lot of um, uh, great companies. Workscape is in there every year, so uh, a lot of good corporate uh, sponsorship. That's fantastic, and that's at www.takeaswing.org. Yes, great. Yeah. Well, I gotta ask, how did the game turn out between Microsoft and Oracle? <laughs> well, Microsoft won the first year. <laughs> Then the next year we lost, so we never had the rubber match. So I don't know. <laughs> okay. So it was a duel. A deadly yeah. embrace. Yeah, it's funny because the next morning after the first year, the next morning I had a, a Russ's tool shed event, and I came in and I, you know, definitely announced the score of the game because Microsoft had won. So that was, <laughs> that was pretty good. The tool the tool shed sessions are are really a trip. They're a lot of fun. I come in dressed up. I've got my tool belt on, my you know suspenders Arr. on, a hard hat, and a flannel shirt up here in New England. You know, fit right in up in Maine and, and you know New Hampshire with that outfit. And then, uh, you know, I, I <laughs> they love it too. You know, it's it's great. We always have a great time. And um, uh, you know, I did that once. Uh, you know, sometimes I go dressed like that to an account. You know, when I go there during the day. Uh-huh. And uh, one time I showed up at, I think it was Otis Elevator, and I got to the receptionist, and the guy looks at me, you know, calls up the person I'm supposed to see, goes, your, your repairman's here, you know. <laughs> like, no, 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 I'm not a repairman. I'm here to, you know, show software. <laughs> you should do a TV show called This Old Code. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> yeah, I know it. Yeah. So so what are the numbers in, in New England? How many... How many developers are out there in the New England area? And I guess mostly they're concentrated around Boston and New York, right, in Hartford? Boston's a very high-technology area. There are a lot of developers here, you know, all along the uh, 128 loop around Boston. Right. Uh, it's really, you know, been built as the Silicon, you know, Valley of the East, uh, basically is what it is. And uh, so a tremendous amount of technology there. And, uh, yeah. you know, a good number of developers. I don't have an exact count. I just, it seems like there's just an endless sea of them. Uh, 
uh, all these developer sessions I keep doing, I constantly get new people. You know, it's, you know, I get a good core base, but you know, I always ask how many people is your first time seeing like a tool shed, that sort of thing, and and uh, you know, I get you know maybe thirty, forty percent, fifty percent sometimes new hands going up depending on you know what venue we're at. We we do these uh, events all over New England, you know, uh, a lot of different cities, Portland, uh, you know, Burlington, Vermont, and uh, Nashua, Providence. You know, we're hitting them all. It really seems like there's a lot of a lot of you know, uh, companies embracing .NET in New England. Yeah, you know what else I do too. A lot of times I'll do uh, uh, intro introductory sessions, like in the morning. You know, maybe advanced right. topics in the afternoon. So in the morning, I might just do an intro to VB.NET, and you would just be surprised. You know, how many developers come out uh, for the introductory level topics? Either they're retooling. Right or you know That's maybe they've cool. been you know using some of the older versions of the tools. They want to learn about some of the newer you know capabilities. I, I tell you, I love teaching beginners. Yeah. I love it because I can sort of break down you know the things that I take for granted and slow down and and uh, watch the light bulbs go on. You yeah, know, it's always a challenge to because I really remember learning. I remember how painful it was because. Uh, you know, the, the guys I was learning from didn't speak my language. They didn't relate to me. I couldn't relate to them. They were C++ and assembler programmers. So I'm trying to learn from these guys. And I remember that the, the, the mind, the way that my mind thought, and if I had just had the proper explanations for some things, it would have been easy. And then when I finally did hook up with some people who were able to explain things, it was like a breath of fresh air. It's like, ah, no more struggling, you know? So I really, really love teaching beginners. I had actually thought of doing an introduction to programming class using VB.net. Um, I don't have any way to judge what the response would be from that. So I really don't. I really don't know. Uh, that's a tough one. I've, I've taught in those type of situations before. That's it's a real tough one. It is because typically these are people who are not on the job, you know, making money programming already so they don't necessarily have a training budget for it um there's a lot of money in it but it's certainly a lot of fun it's a fun thing to do yeah when i was teaching in the ctac channel a lot i used to uh, teach the introductory vb6 class and I, I, I remember one particular student that was a ups truck driver cool and he had saved up his own money uh to come to the class and he, he went through the whole series there were three VB6 classes, and uh, stayed in touch with him for a while. But he got a job up in Atlanta and became a developer. Wow. And uh, that was kind of his dream, to get out of the uh, the brown truck. Huh. That's so cool. That's very, very cool. Yeah, it's, a, it's an amazing thing. You know, you may, you may be a UPS driver, and you may have a, knack, a natural knack for programming. You just never know. You just never know until you until you try it. A lot of musicians uh, have a natural ability. I guess they say it's the same side of the brain or something like that that uh, has the logic, you know, capabilities to it. And, I've uh, had I've heard that. Exp I've obviously that's a connection that you can't help but make. I've heard it. The best explanation I've heard is that particularly instrumentalists, like guitar players or piano players, because if you're a guitar or piano player, you're working on a presentation. You know, you're working on something that's going to make it look easy, like a program. But the details of that, you have to work on very hard at, at the fundamental elements to construct it piece by piece. And so you really have this ability to zoom in to the details and zoom out to the whole 
presentation just on you know in a millisecond nanosecond time be able to zoom in on a on a particular detail and you know practice that run over and over and over again slow it down practice it more and then pull back and do the whole thing a little faster and build it up this way so i think the whole process of programming is much like the process of of learning an instrument. Wow, what an analogy. So I got hope of becoming a musician then, huh? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> You'd be a good bass player, don't you think, Mark? <laughs> don't you think, Mark? Well, was, yeah, maybe. Yeah. And I know I can't sing worth a darn, so that that's a problem I have. That's that's one of the reasons I you know became a developer evangelist, because I can still get up on stage. I love getting in front of a crowd, but right, you know, I can't it, sing. You know? That's it, man. I'm going to teach you how to play bass. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> My oldest brother's a musician, so it's in the blood. I like to write code. What'd you say, Mark? I said I couldn't carry a tune in a bucket, but I like to write code. Yeah. Well, maybe you could. Maybe you could do both. You have to give me a bucket, and we'll try it out. (laughs) You don't have to sing to be a musician. That's true. Well, definitely that's the case with you, Carl. I mean, uh, you're a very talented, gifted musician, and uh, translates into writing code as well. I stumbled on programming by accident. Um... I just loved it the first time I did it. I, probably because I'm a control freak, you know. <laughs> first can't and it's believe like, it. you're ah. one of the most laid-back guys I know. <laughs> well, it's like ah, you know, here's a passive mind that I can mold <laughs> in electronic format. Ah, For, mad first, scientist. First time I, I came across programming was in high school, my senior year, back in I think it was '78 or '4, '74. And uh, it was Fortran, you know, it was the language on punch cards and all that kind of stuff. But boy, I knew right from that class that that's what I wanted to do, yeah. you know, and it was like no turning back. It's an infinite puzzle that you could never fully solve. Yeah. You always have fun trying. Yeah, I, I hate to tell you why I got into programming, but uh, I, oh, I know a company this story. And, uh, this is great. I noticed the programmers drove uh, cool cars. <laughs> it's true. And I thought, you know, I want to be a programmer so I can have a cool car. With cool license plates, right, Carl? Absolutely. Like so yeah, yeah. The, the end of that story is I just bought a van, so, uh, you know, I don't know how cool that is. Well, Mark, you had a couple of degrees first, right? Yeah, I have a degree in mathematics and one in physics. So I don't know what I plan to do one day, but... Uh, wow. You know, I was, I was kind of a, a techno geek there. Yeah, I got my um, uh, bachelor's in computer science, and then I got the uh, MBA in uh, information systems, so... So that was a good match. You know, if I could go back, I would uh, probably get a degree in computer science, and I would uh, minor in accounting. Yeah. And I'd be out of school in three years rather than six. I had a major in instrumental music at Berkeley College of Music in uh, Boston. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then I went to a recording school, and then I took a, about two and a half years of college here and there and uh, started working at Crescent Software and my, you know, Hey, would you know? Do you want to stay here and have a career, or do you want to go back to school? And uh, I swear to God, in my school at the time, they thought Quick Basic they thought Basic was a toy language, and I was in a programming class where in the third week they were still passing around a floppy disk, looking at it and trying to figure it out. <laughs> this is a floppy disk. We'll have a test tomorrow, and uh, you know, the question marks were hanging over the students' heads, and I was way behind, way beyond them. So I said, "Yeah." Okay, I'm out of here. Yeah, I mean, speaking of education, you know, one of my job functions as a developer evangelist is always to make um, developers aware of the different things they have available to them. You know, to you know, really to 
like you say, make them you know work smarter, faster, that right. sort of thing. And one of the things uh, that's available upon our site are the webcasts. Um, really just great. You know, they're an hour and a half. You just feel like you're sitting in a classroom. Uh, you can, you know, chat with the instructor. Uh, th- those are all, all real good. Also, the um, the MSDN Flash newsletter, you know, comes through every two weeks. A lot of yep. great information on there with all the, the latest, uh, you know, knowledge base articles that people are reading and, uh, you know, lots of good good information available to you. And the other thing I did want to mention uh, real quick, too, is the new certification that we came out with uh, oh, yeah. last November. PBNet It's the Microsoft Certified Application Developer Certificate you can get. And, uh, That's cool. Yeah, that one there involves taking three exams. Uh, you actually and, took that. Yeah, I was out in Redmond in um, January. I think I took all three tests in a, in a 26-hour period. My, oh. I don't recommend that for anybody. I had it was like mush by the time I got done with it. But <laughs> oh, man. I passed all three of them, so that, that was pretty cool. And uh, it was nice because we had a team dinner that night uh, out there and uh, came in with the good news. Everybody's like cheering and yelling. It was really cool. It was cool. What's, what's it like for the average developer to, to just pack up and go knock on Microsoft's door and say, hey, can somebody give me the tour? I mean, do they do that? The tour? Just, you know, can I... Can I talk to somebody? Can I, uh, I mean, is Microsoft accessible to your average programmer? Well, you know, that's one, one thing I always try to do and reach out. And I think the whole developer, that's one of the purposes of like the developer evangelism uh, right. community is to do, is to provide that type of, of service, you know, and really make it comfortable for uh, developers to communicate to Microsoft and vice versa, you know, to get the information out. And right. uh, I know I, I always try to do that because I, I know how hard it was before I came to Microsoft, right, to get an answer to maybe just a simple question. That's right. You know yeah. what I mean? And and so I always try to help out. I I, yeah, I get too many emails, but I still, I still try to keep up with them, you know what I mean? Well, we pass them around, too. I mean, one of the things that students in my class get is email access uh, email support after the class, <clears throat> and I promise, and I've I've kept all my promises that if I don't have an answer, I can forward it to, you know, the people who have the answer. And, yeah. Uh, and and typically, we've been in a class, for example, where I've had a a question about something in the database and nobody knew the answer to it. Fired off an email to Bill Vaughn, you know, went to lunch, came back, and he'd answered it for me. And uh, that's just a very cool thing to have, and I'm, uh, you know, uh, so don't don't think that you can just flood Bill with his with email questions. But what I'm saying is that <laughs> it's just very cool for me personally to know all these great minds and to, you know, on a personal level, and um, you know, every once in a while we help each other out. There, there's also another thing for uh, MSDN subscribers to make it a little easier to get the answers to these types of questions. There is the, um, it's, a, it's called a, the MSDN managed news groups as huh. opposed to the, the unmanaged, right? Uh, where you just put a, you know, uh, there's a, a garbage collector. And hope you get an answer. So there's a garbage collector, is what you're there's saying. There's a garbage collector. Yeah, there's actually <laughs> someone looking at this stuff, and you are actually guaranteed a response from someone from Microsoft. Spam message dot dispose. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. Yeah, so that's another little uh, you know service I always try to to recommend. And to that's folks. only for MSTN. MSTN uh, subscribers, subscribers, yeah, it's a benefit of getting a subscription. Wow, that's fantastic. Yeah, we're gonna have to. We'll put links to all these things on the website. Yeah. Well, Russ, I know it's you're tired. You've been going like on four hours sleep every night for the last month. Yeah, I told my kids I was like prepping for a final exam. You know, they're yeah. <laughs> they're both in college. So they can wait to that. <laughs> so I'll we'll let you go. And uh, on behalf of the public, and on behalf of myself and Mark and 
and everybody out there listening, thank you so much for talking to us. Oh, my pleasure. Enlightening us. Yeah, this was fun. It's it been was. fun, Russ. We yeah. appreciate it. Sure thing, Mark. Keep up the good work. Ah, okay. Well, we'll, we'll do. <laughs> hey, and I'll see you on Derby Day with the mint julep, huh? Okay. <laughs> All right. So you can set out on the porch. Absolutely. Under the mimosa tree. <laughs> <laughs> That's it, man. All right. Thanks a lot, Russ. Okay. We'll see you. Bye. Bye. Bye.